The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Danny Reed with me, and we are going to be talking about COVID um, and its effect on how women are making their choices in birth. And Danny is a doula, an adorable one. Her company is called Mind Over Maternity. She's been doula for three years. And how many babies do you have, Danny? I have five now. Five. And this last one was your COVID baby. Well, didn't have COVID, but born during the pandemic baby. <laughs> That's right. Awesome. Okay. So first of all, what got you into the birth world? How did you get first into the space? Well, when I was a teenager, I developed endometriosis. And um, as I learned more about women's reproductive health, I developed a passion for it and I always loved babies. Um, and I quickly discovered that I had an aptitude for it. And so I decided that I want to become a certified nurse midwife, which requires quite a lot of schooling. But um, as time went on, it, it wasn't in the cards for me to go to nursing school just yet. So I decided to stay home and have my family. And then I discovered doula work. I had no idea what a doula was before. Um, and when I discovered what it was, I thought this would be a great way for me to gain some experience and insight into the birth world before I can go back to, to earn my nursing degree and become a CNM. Wow, very cool. And so how old are your kids? They are eight, six, four, two, and three weeks old. Wow, you know, that's good timing. <laughs> very cool. Okay, so um, you were they all born in the hospital? Uh, except for the last one. Your first four were born in the hospital? Yes, that's right. Okay, and how far along were you when the the whole world shut down? Oh, goodness. Well, probably about 32 weeks or 30 weeks, somewhere around there. And so what did you, what was your first thought? Like, well, at first I didn't really see how it would affect me. It didn't uh, immediately show that it would affect me a whole lot. Um, as soon as they started saying, that doulas were going to be restricted to the hospitals. It opened my eyes and I realized that the whole culture of the hospital had changed um, from, from being what I felt was always um, a celebratory atmosphere to a very strenuous, stressed atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but you were only 32 weeks or so, and so you thought maybe things would blow over or? Yeah, I thought that there might be a chance that this would blow over. It seemed like it was just a really bad flu at the time and that maybe things would go back to normal by the time I was due, but I wasn't sure and nobody seemed to have any timeline on it. So about, so then you made the decision eventually to give birth at home. Yes. So lead us through that thought, um, thought because you, did, you were not planning a home birth. That was not your dream birth. So nope. lead us through the whole process. Like <laughs> let us into your, your head because this is, this is crazy thinking like to have to like try and uh, uh, change your entire birth plans because of external forces. That's kind of what we wanted, like hear what your thought, your thought process was. Yeah. So it's interesting because a lot of women who choose home birth, 
um, don't prefer the hospital. They either are afraid of the hospital or have had negative experiences in the hospital. And that wasn't me at all. I've actually always really enjoyed the hospital culture and the feeling and everything. And I've always felt well taken care of. And um, I've always been able to, um, you know, understand my options well and, and work well with the staff and everything. And so it, it, for me, I had never really considered home birth very strongly. I have um, hospital providers that I really like and who really respect me and have always taken good care of me. And so I didn't really explore that option. I never had a reason to before. Um, but when all this happened and I started realizing um, I wasn't going to be able to have my photographer there. I wasn't going to be able to have my daughter there um, who I had been training for months to be my little doula. Um, I wouldn't be able to have, you know, my mom and, you know, on and on. Um, I started realizing that that the hospital birth that I had been envisioning for my last baby was going to look very, very different from what I had been hoping for for months. And so I started realizing that maybe, you know, maybe home birth was a good option. I had given birth pre previously, you know, four other times and they had it had gone really well, um, unmedicated for the most part. And and I just thought, you know, I know I can. Mm -hmm. Why not? So I started to explore this option and I began to ask a lot of questions. Um, I contacted a midwife that I trusted um, that does home births and I asked her if she had availability and miraculously she did. And I just started asking questions with friends. I, I started reaching out to other doulas who'd had home births. And even though I had attended home births as a doula, it's a very different perspective when you're the one giving birth. Mm -hmm. And so I started reaching out to friends who had had home births and asking them for their insights and asking them what, you know, what's that like for you? And I know you really enjoyed it, but, but tell me why. And, you know, trying to feel out if this was the right thing for me to make sure that I was making a fully informed choice. This is the, this is the bread <laughs> of doula work is making informed choices. Right. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure that I, I wasn't going in blindly, but that I knew exactly what would it would entail. So what were the, some of the things that were make it, uh, make it or break it for you in terms of like the answers you were looking for? Like what would have, what would have swayed you ultimately to not do a home birth or what was the answer that you got that was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Well, one of the biggest things is safety. And that's, I think, a very common concern about home birth for a lot of people. Um, and so I bombarded the midwife with questions. What medications do you carry? What do you do in this situation? When do you know when you should transfer? You know, what are your rates like with this and that? How do you respond to these situations? I really kind of grilled her. She was very patient with me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was really helpful. She I think she probably gets that a lot because she had her answers very readily and I was very impressed with every one of them to know that she wasn't the type of midwife that was going to try to prove herself and show that she could save me mm. but to know that she was a type of midwife who knew when she was in over her head and that we needed obstetric care which happens with any midwife even a hospital midwife needs to know when they, that, that line is crossed yeah um, and so it was really helpful to me to see her humility and to see her willingness to to reach out to all all the other um, resources that we might need, um, and to, that she could identify when those were needed, I thought that was a huge huge thing. So ultimately, your uh, you found a provider that you trusted and felt like that was a good, helpful transition to the home birth. Yes, definitely. Uh, what would have been something that would have been like? 
I guess, alerted you? What, what would you have been on? What were you on the lookout for that? I mean, you asked for medications and stuff, but everything, all the answers you got just made sense for you. Yeah. And a lot of it was about personal chemistry too. Oh yeah. I think if in my interactions with her, I had felt like things weren't a good fit between us, that would have been a, a bit red flag to me. I also reached out to my hospital midwife and I asked her what she thought, you know, given she knew my history better than anybody. Um, she had helped me with previous births and through all my pregnancies. And so I asked her, you know, how do you think this would go and what concerns would you have? And, and then I was able to kind of take those back. To the oh hospital. yeah. That's a great question. What did your hospital midwife say? <laughs> I think I know who it was. Um, and so what, but I'm just, what did she say when you said, I think I'm going to transfer. What did she say? Well, when I first told her I was considering it, um, I think because we have such a deep personal connection, I think she felt a little bit disappointed because she wanted to be there so badly. And I wanted to Had she delivered your other babies? Yes. Um, And and so, and she was, she's a dear friend of mine. Um, And so a lot of it was was kind of a personal thing. Um, But she said, medically, she said, I have no, no doubts about your ability to give birth at home. I have no fears. Um, I do, I did have gestational diabetes. And so she did say, I do have a little bit of concern for your baby. Um, But as long as you feel like you can make her needs met, you know, make sure that her glucose is monitored, make sure that she sees a pediatrician right away, you know, all those things that she would, all the care she would have received in the hospital. She said, if you can take care of those needs, I really don't have any concerns. Wow. Um, So you also had gestational diabetes. So it's a little bit more of a complicated pregnancy. Yes. Wow. So how um, were how were you managing that during your pregnancy, and and did you feel like everything was under control? I mean, you must have because the midwife was <laughs> gave you the answer she did. But yes. So I actually I had had it um, in previous pregnancies, so I kind of knew the drill. I followed the diet. I exercised. Um, I tested my glucose multiple times every day, um, and I did end up needing um, nighttime fasting insulin um, in my third trimester. And, and so usually that means, you know, you're high risk, you are induced at 39 weeks in the hospital, all those things. Um, but my midwife is not, um, (laughs) she's not by the book so much, um, Mm -hmm. more, you know, are you healthy? Is your baby healthy? Are your numbers under control? Um, and so we really trusted those things. We put our trust in those things instead of, of just the textbook. Um, and so my numbers were perfect. I went to biweekly NSTs for eight weeks um, and I had growth scans. We checked my fluid levels every week. Um, I tested my blood sugar, it was always perfect. Um, and so with those things in mind, knowing that my numbers were looking good, the baby was looking healthy, mm-hmm. I was healthy. We really didn't have any fears moving forward with this. Very cool. So did you end up uh, going close to your due date or did you go over? I went almost a week over. Was that stressful? Had you ever gone over that much before? Once before. My my first (laughs) was that long of a pregnancy. (laughs) And so not only have you switched your birth space up, but now you're waiting a week longer. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Stressful. Okay. So uh, tell us your birth story. How did, how did everything go? Goodness. So we had decided that I didn't, I, I didn't feel comfortable going past 41 weeks. 
um, because of the gestational diabetes. And, and so we agreed to schedule a hospital induction at 41 weeks. And I felt confident I would not need to be induced because I would have my baby by then. But my due date came and went and the next few days came and went and nothing was happening. And I started feeling a little bit nervous. And when I was five days past my due date, I said, okay, we need to start getting serious about getting this baby out. And so I decided I would try everything that I felt safe about to try to self-induce at home. And if that didn't work, then I would know that that wasn't the right path and that we would just need to go to the hospital, be induced, and we would be flexible and change plans yet again. Mm -hmm. So we tried all the things. Um, (laughs) I went to a chiropractor. I had a massage. We had a date where we just relaxed and took a nap and got away from our kids, which was so relaxing. Um, And then, and nothing really brought on any contractions. And then that night I said, okay, last chance. We put on a movie, I put some clary sage on my belly and I sat down on my ball and began to pump. And using a breast pump can be oxytocin. (laughs) That's one of the most (laughs) useful tools. It's very effective. And so after uh, maybe 10 minutes, I started having contractions. So I did 15 minutes on the pump and then 15 minutes off where I would just walk around and do some squats and try to help encourage my body to contract. And then I do 15 minutes back on the pump again. And after doing this twice, I stood up and my water broke. <laughs> wow. And you're like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> my baby's coming. And my other babies had come really fast once my water broke. So I called my team. I said, it's go time. Let's go. Let's have a baby. And they all showed up and my labor went away. <laughs> so, <laughs> At yeah. least your party's there. Yes, it was a party. There were a lot of people. We broke the rules. Well, we almost broke the rules, I guess. Well, but half of them are related to you, right? So Exactly. Yeah. So, so they all if, counted as one person, really. Yes. If you don't count <laughs> that, then we were, we were very good. We did not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, my, my labor was really different from my other labors. Um, it never really established a strong pattern. Um, I had my midwife there and then my whole team and everything. It was wonderful and a great time, but I started feeling really discouraged after hours and hours went by and I still was not contracting in a regular pattern. And the weird thing was I was, I was dilating slow, but steady. Um, and we just couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, and I could feel my baby's back in my belly. So I wasn't, she wasn't posterior, but eventually we discovered that she was asynclitic, meaning her head was tilted to one side. Um, when the midwife gave me a surgical exam, reached up and felt her ear and <laughs> she went, Oh, Oh, well, we're trying to be born ear first. That's yes, great. Baby. That's pretty tricky. <laughs> really bad math. <laughs> really difficult to do it that way. Um, Anyway, so, you know, hours and hours went by. We tried everything. I rested, I ate, I moved, I squatted, I used the pump, I got in the tub. We did everything to try to keep um, keep me relaxed, but also keep labor progressing. And it did. It just was really slow. Um, and eventually, when I had just a little bit of a lip left, um, they said, let's, let's see if you can bear down and we can turn the baby's head to get the baby past that lip which is a thing that, you know, that they sometimes mm-hmm. do to, to change the baby's position, which I was familiar with. I said, okay, let's try it. And I bore down and it wasn't working. It wasn't working. And after a while, I just wanted to be done. And I was trying to push her out. Um, and she was still up so high. She just wasn't coming down. And I started getting really discouraged. And at this point I had been in labor for probably 20 hours. Ooh, that's long. 
Yeah. And the midwife started saying, you know, I'm really getting concerned that your uterus is getting too tired. I'm nervous that after this baby comes that you might hemorrhage. And she said, I think, I think we should consider going into the hospital so you can get Pitocin. And I was like, what? <laughs> so here was me changing plans yet again, or at least yeah. changing yet again. We were going home birth, hospital, home birth, induction, home birth. Okay, maybe we'll transfer. And I was just so done. And so I said, let me just, let me just rest and descend. Let me just see if I can just gather up my strength and see if I can get this baby out. Let me, give me one more shot. And they said, okay, well, that's fine. So I laid on my left side, I rested. Um, and I don't know if my baby turned then or what happened, but I started beginning to feel the urge to push for the first time. Wow. And so I rolled onto my back because the way the baby was turned, she needed to come into my back for her to, to make it out. Um, and so that was the last position I wanted to be in. But and I knew it's the hardest position to push a baby out in, but it didn't matter. I was determined. Um, I looked into my daughter's face <laughs> and she'd been rooting for me so hard. <laughs> Sorry, this makes me a little emotional. She'd prepared for months to be at my birth and it was really important to her to see this happen. And when she knew that I might go to the hospital, um, she was devastated. <laughs> and so when I made the decision that I was going to make this happen, I looked into her face and it filled me with determination mm. and strength. I rolled over onto my back. I grabbed hold of every bit of strength that I had and I bore down and I pushed that baby out from a minus two station all the way out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> wow. um, she didn't even have a turn, chance to turn her shoulders. She was born just straight shot, <laughs> straight out. And, uh, the whole room just erupted in tears and sobs and laughter and everybody was just blown away. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really emotional birth. <laughs> um, and after the baby came out, um, the placenta came pretty quickly, but then my uterus was tired and didn't want to clamp down. And so they um, pressed down on my fundus and I had a major gush of blood, huge, lots and lots of blood. So they gave me some medication to stop the bleeding and it stopped really fast and everything calmed down and was really beautiful and peaceful after that. Wow. And your daughter, she's the eight-year-old, right? Yes. See, they're old enough to really be there, really be present. Yes. Were the, your other kids there as well? No way. <laughs> <laughs> no way? Okay. So um, really, like the catalyst for making this decision to go home was you wanted your birth team there. Yes. Absolutely. Is that really the biggest reason is that you just, the people, it had nothing to do with your fear of hospitals or, yeah. or home birth being more dreamy. It had nothing to do that. It was simply that you wanted to be surrounded by your birth team. Yes. And in the end, I needed every single one of them. I had no way of knowing that this labor would be long and hard. My last three labors were less than five hours. And so I just figured this would be fast and easy. And I had no idea how much I would need that support. So and tell us about each member of your birth team, because we talked about birth teams before, but in your story, the birth team is so important that it actually established where the birth was going to take place. So tell us about each person on the birth team and what they added to your space. Yes. So I had my midwife there. Um, I don't know if I should use names or not. You can if you'd like. Okay. So my midwife um, was Carla Bennett. 
Um, and she was phenomenal in giving me space when I needed space and keeping tabs on the baby, making sure she was happy and healthy, monitoring my health as well. She was great. She was a great presence. Um, her assistant was there as well, Angela. Um, and she was just a second pair of hands doing all the same things, keeping tabs on the baby and everything. Um, and she's also an herbalist. She brought some herbs that, that um, encouraged contractions to come on as well. And then um, I had Julie Frankum there as my sibling doula. She was there supporting my daughter. Um, oh, a sibling doula. Yes. So a doula hired specifically for the little, the siblings and helping them be part of the birth, birth process, right? Exactly. Yeah, so she was there to help my daughter to navigate the birth. Even though I had prepared my daughter for months, I knew I didn't want to have to um, walk her through things and answer her questions and things, but I wanted someone to be able to. So I hired Julie to be there to help my daughter to navigate that. And then my daughter, of course, she's my little doula. Um, she was a huge presence. Um, she was very intuitive and in helping me to feel calm and, and to trust my body and trust the process, even though it was strange. <laughs> um, she has a very calming touch and she was just so, so sweet and so intuitive. I also had my mother there. And my mom has been there for all of my births. Um, and she's she's seen the way that I normally give birth um, and was very encouraging when things didn't go according to plan. Um, she encouraged me to find my voice when I didn't know what to do when everyone was talking about hospital transfer. Um, she was huge. Um, I also have to say she went and got me a strawberry milkshake when that was the only thing in the world that sounded See, good to me. That's key right there. <laughs> that was an important milkshake. Yep. <laughs> I remember that Frosty from Wendy's. That was big for me. Yep. <laughs> um, I also was very fortunate um, and had my, my hospital midwife was able to come along in the role of a doula. She came in and not really? and she was able to come and support me during my birth. <gasps> phenomenal. It was everything I was hoping for. <laughs> that is a dream. Really. That is an absolute dream. Wow. And I have to say the most important person in my birth team was my husband. Um, he is the most supportive, wonderful, supportive person, support person that, that you could ask for in a birth. Um, he knows me better than anybody. He can read my body language. I don't have to tell him what he needs to do. He just jumps in and does it. Um, he doesn't complain. You know, he's tireless. And he was phenomenal, irreplaceable. So. Yeah. Wow. And oh my goodness, all of the members of your team, especially while wow, your daughter being able to be there, that that would have, you would have a completely different experience. Oh, yes. And I can't forget my photographer. I oh, yes. I photo and video <laughs> um, and captured some beautiful images that have really, really helped me process my birth since then. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I wanted to talk about this topic, especially with you. You have such a fascinating story with the diabetes and the just the whole background is just fascinating. Um, but also I feel like this is something that we should talk about in birth in general is how to cope with external forces on our birth plans that we absolutely can't control. I mean, this this COVID thing is just, it came out of nowhere, basically. I mean, nine months ago when you conceived, you had no idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's a new thing. But there are things that happen in our lives all the time that impact women, that make them, that force them to reassess their birth story, their, their birth plans. And so I just thought this was a great example to explore um, 
not just what to do with a COVID birth, not, you know, home birth is not the answer for everything, but just an example of, you know, how you took this huge, huge challenge and adapted it and worked it into your story and ended up feeling like you still got to make all the choices. Right. So um, as a doula, you've gotten to see lots of women make these choices as well, make choices for their birth. So let's talk about that. Like when you're faced with something external, that's just blowing your birth plans out of the water. Like what are some things you can do to kind of stay grounded and, and keep, keep centered? I think one of the biggest things that helped me to make this decision um, and what made the decision for me, because um, like you said, it's not the right decision for everybody. It's not the right decision for every circumstance. It all, it's different for everyone. But for me, ultimately, I had to stop and evaluate what was the most important for my family as a whole. Um, I think culturally, birth is treated like it's just an avenue for babies to be born. Um, but really, it, it's a transformative experience for families. Mm-hmm. And it can be completely life-changing. And so for me, I feel like when you're faced with the type of, when you're faced with obstacles that, that interfere with your birth plan or with your vision with, of how your birth is supposed to go, I feel like you need to stop and, and think about how you can make the experience positive for everyone overall. And sometimes that means you need a cesarean. Sometimes that means you need to change your, your provider. Sometimes that means changing the venue, um, you know, but ultimately doing what's best for everyone involved, but especially for the birthing mother who is going to be impacted by these decisions, you know, psychologically, emotionally for yeah. months, years to come. Um, I think there's great value in considering the impact that it's going to have, especially on the person giving birth, um, how they're going to feel about themselves, how they're going to look back on their birth for the rest of their lives. Because despite what a lot of providers tell us, we don't forget our births the next day. We don't forget how we were made to feel. We don't forget the way that we were treated. It's so important, far more important than most people realize that we have an experience that is empowering and positive that we can look back on and feel proud of ourselves. So anyway, I don't know if that really answers your question, but no, I, that's perfect. I just, I just feel like people need to look at birth as a whole and to step back and to, to say, what can I do to make sure that this is a positive experience for my family? Cause you felt that if your team wasn't there, it couldn't be as the positive experience that you needed it to be. No. And it, and beyond that too, the culture in the hospital, the feeling in the hospital is, is very tense right now. Um, and, and the hospital staff are very strained and I didn't want that feeling in my birth space. I wanted to be able to celebrate and I wanted to have fun and I wanted people to be happy for me and with me, you know, and, and so being able to be surrounded by people who are supportive and happy and having a nice time. <laughs> yeah. was very important to me. So how about, um, other people, um, how can people be supportive of birthing women as they're making choices? Like was everybody in your, in your world supportive of your choice to switch? Not immediately. Um, there were a few people that I was very reserved about sharing this decision with um, because I knew this wasn't something that they had thought about or looked into much themselves and they had their own fears and their own biases to work through. Um, but once I was able to share my decision with them in an, a very open dialogue sort of way, 
um, they really came around quicker than I thought they would. So um, how important is the support of everyone in your decision-making? Huge. Absolutely huge. huge. Absolutely. So the, the, the point I'm driving at is as external people to birthing women, we have more influence on her story than we think we do. Absolutely. And I think, what would you say is the best way to just like help a woman tell her own story? <laughs> it could be her own story. I think to listen with an open mind and an open heart, to ask questions that show genuine interest um, and not judgment. Um, and to be willing to learn, be willing to um, do your research and ask, you know, questions that that show that you're willing to learn, not questions that that show judgment. Yeah, that's really really good. Wow. Okay. Um, do you have anything more about your birth story that you'd like to share with us? Like, how has the postpartum been? How how are your kids loving <laughs> their new baby? <laughs> I have to say, I, I think giving birth during pandemic is really hard because um, we've all been so isolated. Um, but because I was surrounded by so many people, I've been able to reach out to them and say, you were there. You experienced this with me. You know, talk with me through this. Like, let help me understand with this part of my birth or help me process that, that part. Um, and to be able to have that village to rely on afterward has been huge for me, even though, you know, we might not be able to get together in person the way we normally would. It's been really helpful for me mentally and psychologically. I feel really good. Um, and even though I feel like there were parts of my birth that were traumatic, honestly, I've been able to process through them really well and really quickly because I could rely on those people so well. Yeah. So what were your favorite? Okay, so somebody facing the same thing that you were, you're facing. So whether it's COVID or it's something, I mean, I could imagine it could go the other way around. Like what if you were planning a home birth and then all of a sudden something happened to your house and, or, you know, whatever, your midwife went out of town and you were having to switch at the last minute. What, um, what, what were the first things and the most reliable resources you, I know you said you went to your midwife, but what other resources did you consult in making your decision? Definitely my husband. Um, my husband is a great sounding board. And so he was able to help me kind of untangle a lot of my thoughts and help me to make sense of my emotions and my fears um, and to try to um, identify which of them were were well-founded and logical and which of them were not. <laughs> because sometimes we need external people to help us wade through that one. Yes, yes. And say, that's really not a big deal. We can, that's fine. We'll be fine. <laughs> um, Even now I do that. And <laughs> yes, my husband and my yeah. Yes. Um, and for me, I'm a very religious person. And so for me, it was a matter of prayer and taking it to God um, to understand his will and to know if this was right for me in a spiritual way as well. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. So in Utah, we have pretty generous legislation about uh, midwives and you can switch basically from a home birth to a hospital birth and vice versa with no recourse, no problem at all. Um, but what about other states where uh, COVID has hit, the home birth option is off the table, it's not legal. Um, how can a woman prepare to have a birth in the hospital and still hold her space uh, in all of this craziness? What do you think? Oh, that's so hard. I think it's, it's hard when you don't have that option in front of you. But um, birth workers have done amazing things to accommodate 
women in these circumstances, most doulas, if not all doulas, have changed their platforms. They're now able to provide virtual support. Um, a lot of doulas will support women in their home up until they're ready to go to the hospital and then support them over, you know, a chat, a video chat. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people are able to still have, you know, photography in their labor at home and after and things like that. I don't know. I, I feel like women facing this challenge will have to be extra flexible, which makes it so, so hard for them. But I think it's a matter of focusing on what you can control and letting go of the things that you can't. Yeah. Yeah. I think most hospitals are still allowing at least the partner in, right? Yes, as far as I know. Yeah. And then having a doula even just on FaceTime or Zoom just to help the partner. In fact, if you weren't considering a doula before, you might actually really want to do a teledoula now because that doula can help provide that balance, that grounding from outside, <laughs> that, you know, that outside perspective to help your partner support you better and to give you, like, to listen to your concerns. Absolutely. the hospital. Wow. I mean, before all this, I could never imagine serving a woman via a TV, you know, via a, an <laughs> iPhone. That would be weird to like, okay, now press her hips this way. I couldn't see it. But now as this is just dragged on and more and, and I'm hearing stories it sounds like you can be really effective in supporting a woman that way. It's not ideal, but you can, you can provide an amazing support. Absolutely. And a lot of the work is done in prenatal appointments, you know, where you can meet together physically and, and you can teach the partner how to give counter pressure. You can practice different breathing techniques and different positions and things so that it's not brand new and you're trying to instruct them over video chat while they're in labor. You know, a lot of doulas will That's provide, true. Yeah. provide that prenatal care. Yeah, I forget that there's that prenatal care. Yeah. Wow. Okay, cool. So um, if people want to find more about you, where, how do they find you? So you are welcome to look me up on mindovermaternity.net. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram on mindovermaternitybirthdoula. And your photos and videos are going to be posted there, right? Because I would love yes. to see this story. <laughs> yes, I will be sharing my birth story. And there are a few photos in there. And then I'll also share my video when it's done being edited. Awesome. Oh, oh, I have one more question to slip in. So your sibling doula, the doula was not there for you purely for the sibling to help your daughter have an amazing experience, right? Yes. And to help make sure that she could navigate the birth. I mean, birth is a really big, intense experience. And so it was really important for her to be able to help her navigate. So when she had questions about things that she saw that she didn't understand or words that people were using, she didn't know. She could ask the sibling doula instead of her mom, who was busy. <laughs> busy, or dad, who was busy, or midwife, busy. who was busy. Wow, that is exactly. such a cool concept. Awesome. Okay, so everybody hire a sibling doula. Wait, first we've got to get everybody convinced to hire an actual doula. <laughs> it's it's do great. all of them. Worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, four or five. I've been to births where they're like five doulas, just because, yeah. you know, how do you pick? <laughs> <laughs> if they're all your friends. They have different jobs. Yeah. 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 One's the drink doula. One's the hip doula. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate your, your uh, being willing to tell us our, your story. You're welcome. And thank you. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.
And thank you to Launchpod Media, who produces these podcasts.